After global levels of breakdown and rebuilding, the question must now be asked. What are we created for? What are we made for? So how do we begin to run again with boldness into the promises that God has for us? What do you see? What are you speaking? In order for vision to take root, we must dare to be a church that sees the invisible and believes the impossible. In order to know what God is saying, it is imperative that we know he's already spoken over us. What makes you feel alive? What is the thing that we commit our very core to, that we dedicate time and resources to because we know it's not about winning or losing, but we have to finish the race, no matter what it takes. It's about the process. It's about being built into the very version that can realize and step into our calling, into what we're made for. We're made to reap what we sow. As we have sown, God is releasing a harvest. Seven years of favor, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of souls, a harvest of increase. We are made for the harvest. Nothing can stop us. We were made for this. Come on, let's honor the Lord. I'm really excited for today because I want to make it clear that what we are talking about today is not really about the church, uh, these four walls. A lot of times when we talk about vision, we, uh, and the church talks about vision, it's really for the four walls. And we are, as a community, no longer satisfied with this concept that you would make this place better, but your life is not getting better. So when we talk about Vision Sunday, we are not talking about for the organization that is Oasis. We are talking about God's people, vision for your life. And we are designed by God to respond to things. And I find that many of us spend most of our time responding to fears, concerns, problems, challenges more than vision. Vision are the things that God shows you that you can see that maybe no one else around you can see. Vision is sometimes the opposite of the things that are happening. Vision is actually different than sight. Vision is a divine ability for your eyes to be open. In Ephesians, it says, Paul says this prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open. The places in your life where God speaks to, and he wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your eyes to the things that he has for you. And you can't believe for it until you can actually see it. And vision is so profound because it actually lets you in on things that God is saying, things that God is doing, and maybe even more importantly, your, your personal involvement. You know, there are few things in life more profound than timing, than timing. Have you ever been in a rush, like leaving a house for work, and then you realize you forgot something? your phone, your keys. Matter of fact, my wife is anointed to help me find my keys. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just keep losing my keys. But you, you leave the house, you forget something, and you're, you're, you're driving, and you got to turn around to go get it and go grab your phone. And then you grab your phone. Has this ever happened to you before? And then you go back to where you were headed right before, you know, you uh, forgot something, and, and you see an accident in the intersection. And somebody ran a red light or something, and you realize in that moment that if I wouldn't have forgotten my phone, I would have been in this exact spot right now. And you start to wonder 
and pause, had I not turned around, I wonder if this was God's timing. Or even if you watched the Dodger game last night and you see that people are swinging a tiny baseball bat at a ball that's going 100 miles an hour. And the reason why they can hit it is because they have spent their lives working on timing. Timing. And I have struggled with timing, and I feel like one of the greatest sins of faith-filled believers is we try to turn a not yet from God into now. We get in there early. I mean, I know there's other sins that people would love to talk to you about. There's other sins that, that the church loves to, to announce. But at least in my time of being a pastor, my greatest sin and 90% of the people I pastor are trying to turn a not yet into a now. If you want to be a millionaire, if you want to be a billionaire, you can make a lot of money helping people get something now that they used to have to wait for. Remember when fast food restaurants didn't have drive-thrus? Y'all remember that? I'm dating myself, I'm 45. All you young millennials, no, what are you talking about? Like I just always go in there. Just every, every time I just drive through the, it's every time. Or remember when, I'm, I'm dating myself again. Remember when your favorite show, TG, TGIF, Make Some Noise? Remember Steve Urkel, didn't I do that? Remember that? You used to have to wait until Friday. It was, thank God it's Friday. Now you can go on Netflix and just get whatever show you want to watch on demand. I watch Cobra Kai on Netflix. Don't watch it. It ain't exactly a Christian show, but that's okay. And I think I watched about 13 episodes in four hours. Remember when they used to leave you with that cliffhanger and the show would end and you're like, oh God. And remember when, remember when we didn't even have more than one TV in the house? Who am I talking to? Who am I preaching to? Where your mama was trying to watch all my children and you trying to, come on soap opera. And these companies have basically made millions of dollars making sure that something not yet could be now. And so we are being conditioned to praise God when he does something now, but yet if he says not yet, he's not good. You can go ahead and clap for that. It's Vision Sunday. People are suffering all over the world. I mean real suffering. Many of them believers, and I've seen and heard stories in the joy of faith that they, the joy and faith that they still have in God because in the middle of their suffering, they believe God is, is good. And, and, and in California, we are so blessed that if Starbucks gets our order wrong, we're like, God, where are you? I said, leave room for cream. You know, like, we have, and this is something that I want you to understand that is so important. I've tried my best as your pastor to teach you for many years. Your capacity for blessing is deeply connected to your capacity for pain and suffering. Men of God all over the world in tribal rites of passage, uh, uh, men when they're 13, they, they are tested to see if they can be a man by how they handle pain. Your maturity to handle the hard things of life 
are directly related to your ability to handle the good things in life. The Bible suggests that God's glory weighs more than anything, any challenge that God would have you deal with. And so in order to make it through these times, we need vision, vision. I think most of the people I pastor, their suffering is not that they don't have food, clothes, and water. Their suffering that they're going, dealing with their soul is that God has just said not yet to something that they have determined they know God's will. The hardest place to live is on the in-between of vision and reality. I know what I see, I know what he said, but I'm struggling with what is. And have you ever had God do something with your life and then it seems the marker moves? Anybody? Anybody stressed because they're broke? Anybody get stressed because they get a promotion and now you don't know what to do with the promotion and now you don't feel qualified for the job? Before you were Uber driver and that was stressful and now you get a promotion and you feel unqualified for what God has asked you to do and you need vision. You need to be able to see. Too many believers are surprised when God does something. When we need to be walking in vision and be able to see what, what God is doing. If we, and I'll say it this way, if we continue to make our lives trying to turn not yet into nows, we will ruin the vision that God has for us. Because God's vision takes time. In Luke chapter 13, verses th uh, 6 through 8, Jesus tells this story. And somebody's like, I, finally, you're reading a scripture. Um, <laughs> all the religious people said amen. Hey, it's, it's 10 minutes in. He hasn't read a scripture. Um, <laughs> nobody in here is saying that. That's just something I like to do. <laughs> Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again. Anybody ever, why was he coming again and again? He was checking for fruit. He had put in the work, where's the fruit? He came again and again. Have you ever done something in your life that you checked in on again and again and you felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, nope? I checked that thing again and again. I, I, I checked the email for the audition again and again. Come on, I checked the dating app again and again. <laughs> they keep swiping past your boy. Anything that you have in your life that you're checking again and again and, and listen to this, to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. I love the fact that I'm so grateful that we all clap and we're celebrating three years of leading the church. But if I'm being honest, I've checked this thing again and again the last three years, and I have been always disappointed. Anybody felt this three years like that? You check the news and hope the case is going down, always disappointed. Somebody you check your bank account, always disappointed. You check in with a friend, always disappointed. This season, if I'm being honest, has been more disappointing than it should have been because if I'm being honest, I lost sight of vision. And I've never seen a disappointed person who also has vision. The only way you can be disappointed is if you lost sight of the vision. I can prove to you, I went to Uganda and people there are living in poverty, they're living in despair, they're living in situations that I would never want to live in, and they have vision for what Uganda could be in the future. 
and they're living in a hut and in a village and saying, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a degree, and I'm going to come back and make my village better. And I know Uganda isn't what it looks like now, but don't, don't, I know you see a lot of poverty, but watch what God does for this nation in 20 years as we raise up young people. These people have vision. Vision. Vision so clear that it can be dark and they can still see. And so in this last three years, I'm like, I kept checking again and again. Lord, we put in the work. And I'm not complaining. God did a lot of good things. But there were certain things that I was checking on that I feel like were coming up short in relation to the amount of work that I had put in. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be entitled. I'm not talking about that thing where you in your prayer closet believing for increase and you need to believe for a job. Like, I'm not talking about you're not putting in the work. I'm not talking about like immature faith that, that has no work. I'm talking about those things where we are working tirelessly. And every time we turn around, it's a problem. Anybody feel like that the last three years? This brother in the fig tree is walking through the fig garden, and not only does he not see any figs, he sees other people with figs. One brother was eating a fig newton, just chilling. They, they already, like he, like he, like they got figs. He's eating fig newtons. Where is my fruit? So if it's not painful enough that the place you've been putting a work in has no fruit, it's even worse when other people's trees seem to be growing. And so he says to the gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fer fertilizer. Who's the man who planted the fig tree in this story? You and I. Who's the gardener? Jesus. And what's the gardener going to do after three years? Give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Anybody got a lot of fertilizer happening in their life right now? Y'all know what I'm saying? Has the fertilizer hit the fan? Can I say it that way? Can I say it that way? That innuendo right there is unacceptable for a man of God. I'll get an email for that. Did you hear that? Another year, more special attention. Oh, so I put in the work for three years, and now you're going to hit me with some fertilizer? I don't need fertilizer. I need figs. I I'll quit. If you, don't, if you don't give me the fig... I'm going to quit, is basically what he said. And this is why we need to understand the divine power of timing. Because I looked up on a reliable source, Wikipedia. And I checked a couple other sources, it's true. Fig trees have a long juvenile period compared to other fruit trees. Most figs will not produce a crop for the first four to five years, notes Rutgers University. And if the fig is severely injured by over pruning, 
or an unusual environment, it may even take longer for the first time. But once it does, it produces fruit every year, twice a year, forever. Woo, I feel the, I'm sorry, I'm telling you, who am I preaching to? Why we always say that? So what happened to this fig farmer is he didn't understand the process and the timing of figs. And we are asking for trees in our life that are going to produce fruit over and over again, multiple times a year, for many years to come, and we want God to do it next month. I want you to understand the power of timing. Why am I saying this? Because I've been feeling really strongly that Christina and I have been leading uh, this church for three years, this weekend exactly, and about two years ago, I think I gave up. Now, I'll be clear, I never stopped showing up, but I gave up which means I accepted that things were going to be what they were going to be. And my faith was in survival mode. I wasn't praying. I wasn't believing for an outpouring of God's spirit. I wasn't proclaiming that my best days were ahead of me. I was just seeking God. I wasn't seeking God for his favor because like the man in the fig tree, I found myself always disappointed. And I'm leading into this season and God has been telling me, no, 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 son, give it one more year. I promise you, I'm going to give this thing special attention. Yes, you're going to get a little bit more fertilizer, but if you would just lean into the things of God one more year, you're getting ready to give up on church, your marriage, your dreams, your vision, and God is saying, give that thing one more year. Invest it in again. Don't quit. Don't give up. Does anybody have any faith for at least one more year? This is so important. And then he told me about vision. And not only is he going to move in the next year, he's going to move in the next seven years. Habakkuk number two, uh, number two, chapter two says, I will stand at my watch. Don't you leave your post. Don't you leave your post. And station myself on the ramparts and I will look to see what he will say to me. And what answer I am to give to this complaint? The Lord's answer, write down the revelation. And that word is vision. What I want everybody in this room to do is I want you to write down the vision. The the video said made for this. What are you made for? Not what do you want. What are you allowing God to transform you into? Because God will give you a vision of what he wants to do in your life. And then he spends the years in between the vision, uh, what he says to you and the fulfillment, turning you into the person who can handle what he said. Do you know that? And he uses the word of God. He uses the presence of God. And he uses the church. I've shared this before, but the Bible says a wise person is like somebody who builds their house on the rock not on sand. The rock represents the word of God. And and, and it says when the storms come, when the storms come, the house built on the word will stand. Now in our vernacular, we love to talk about the, the devil bringing the storms. But that storm was not a demonic storm. That storm was a storm of blessing. They were in the Middle East, y'all, and it only rained twice a year. And whenever God wanted to punish people because they were all in agriculture, he would withhold rain. 
But then through his grace, he said, I promise you in the book of Joel, along with the Holy Spirit in Joel 3, it wasn't just that he was going to send the Holy Spirit in Joel 3 and the Holy Spirit to the church. He also said that he would send the rain. He said he would send the latter rains and the former rains. The latter rains and the former rains. That meant that it rained in November and April. So when you were in October, if you wanted increase, you needed to get seed in the ground before November. You couldn't wait till the first of the year because it didn't rain in the first of the year. So the rain in November would soften the ground for you to put the seed in in December. And then the rain in April would water the seed. So they understood this concept that God sends blessing on your work and your vision. Financial increase in the Bible is called provision. What is that? God providing for your vision. If we have no vision, why should God provide? And so he goes, I, I need you to understand and I need you to write it down. If I could leave you one thing, if you're made for this, write down. If you're at a low point, write down, I'm getting out of this. If your marriage is struggling, write down, I'm going to get through it. If your marriage ended, I'm going to rise up. If, if, if you're struggling in school, I'm going to get good grace. If, whatever it is, if your business is struggling, you watch what God does in my life. I can see what God's saying. I'm going to walk in favor. Write it down. Don't think it. Write it down. Write it down and make it plain. And we ain't writing down, we'll see what happens. No, we know what happens. We have the victory in Christ. God is with us. Write it down. And it says, write it down so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation, the vision, awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. I believe I was so discouraged because until now, I never really understood the power of God's divine timing. And to be clear with you, I, I know I heard from God, the time is now. Right now. The not yet has become now in the spirit. The spirit of the Lord is prophesying over you. That thing you've been working on for three years that has no fruit, God is saying now. And so when we prayed and I was praying, God spoke clearly, made for this. Made for this. You have to be built for what you're born for. That's what the church is designed to do, is to help you be transformed into the image of God so that you can achieve the mission and the vision of God. God will give you the vision early and then the character next. And, and if you can't glorify God with your character, you can't glorify him with your vision. And so he gives you a season where it's your ability to forgive that glorifies his name. He gives you a season where it's your joy that glorifies his name. He gives you a season where it's your lack of gossip when everybody else is talking about everybody else. If you are gossiping and talking bad about other people, God is moving your vision way further out. Because he needs you to glorify him with his, with his character. And then he will let you glorify him with his money. Somebody... We were made for this. We were made for grace. We were made for truth. We were made for humility. 
We're made for peace. We were made to live by faith. We were not made and constructed by God to be afraid. We were made to believe God for the impossible. We were made for this. When you were formed in your mother's womb, God says he did that and he created you for a special purpose. There is no one like you on the earth. You were made for what God has called you to do. And the enemy wants to make you and remake you and reshape you so that you are too afraid to do what God said. And what God said is absolutely impossible for you. But the Bible says with God, all things are possible. They're all possible. So you know you're operating in vision when you first think that's impossible. God says, you show is right. God speaks to me like an old black man sometimes. Who am I preaching to? We were made to carry the vision of the church and to bring hope to a city that is buckling under the weight of searching for the answers to questions that can only be found from seeking God. We were made for it. And God has designed us to have this thing in our spirit and in our souls that's discontented with life when we're not doing God's will. And then we become consumers and we buy things and we date the wrong people because we're in pain. I went to therapy about 18 months ago and I was telling my therapist all this stuff I was going through. And she said, you're in pain. I'm not in pain. I'm a man of God. I'm not in pain. She said, oh no, you're in pain. Everybody who's in pain does that. What do you feel like God is saying to you? Well, God's been saying to me that he is the truth and he is the light. No, 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 no. I know you know scripture. But what, what, is, what is your vision? What do you feel like God is doing in all of this? I couldn't answer the question. And begin this journey of seeking God for his vision. And, and God says, you're made for this. And I said, made for what? And I truly believe that God is releasing seven years of favor on this church. And we are entering into a season of harvest. Seven years of favor. God speaks to me things so far in advance. I remember I was at this church three months, three months, and there was a men's retreat, and I went to the men's retreat, and we all went out to the woods to try to hear from God. And um, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I felt like that, to be honest, like me in the woods hearing from God, I'm looking for coyotes and animals. Like, I'm just like, you ain't never, Tyrone has never been attacked by a bear. Never happened, not one time, and I wasn't going to be the first. So... I'm in there, and I'm like looking around. It was deep in the woods, man. Honestly, I was scared. It was getting dark. And God said, I want you to make a covenant relationship with Oasis. You're, you're always going to be there. And I went in there, and they start asking people to volunteer and, and, and share what they feel like God showed them. And I stood up. I'd been there three months, and I talked to a room full of men, and I said, the Lord told me I'm going to have a covenant relationship. I didn't even know what covenant was. It just means forever, like we're bonded. I said, and I'm going to be at Oasis forever. And everybody, you could see people smack their lips like, yeah, okay. I've been at church three months. And I said, and I saw everybody smack their lips and I leaned into the microphone and I said, no, seriously, you will drive past this church in 20 years. And I don't know if you will be here, but I will. And walked off. And one of my friend's husband were like, everybody was like, who is this dude? And 12 years later, I only got eight years to go before that. <laughs> Lord, help, please, don't they keep your boy righteous. I only got eight more years to go. 
I got to make more years to go. I'll, I'll have a gambling habit in year 20, but I got to make it at least to year 20. No, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to stay holy. So God spoke to me about being made for this. And, he sa- and I said, made for what? S- made for seven years of favor. Seven years of favor. This is going to be seven years of a harvest in three core areas. Are you ready to hear them? A harvest of righteousness. Because remember, you can never glorify God with your vision if you haven't glorified God with your character. A harvest of souls. We must begin to share the love of Jesus with those around us so that they can come to know their heavenly father. Not so that they can come into alignment with our biblical values. So that's what's going on out there in the political space is, is we're trying to get people to come into alignment with the word of God without alignment with the relationship with God. And relationship with God came, from, came before the values. He restored the relationship. So apart from relationship, you cannot be godly. Does that make sense? So we need to understand and share the love of Jesus with those around us. And, and, and there's going to be a harvest of increase, an increase in wisdom, influence, authority, and financial increase. There will be a harvest of financial increase, but many of us, do you know heaven is paved with streets of gold? Do you know why? Heaven is so opulent and there's so much wealth, no one cares. And if we put the carpet was paved with gold, y'all wouldn't be listening to me, you'd be in here tripping, trying to get, we care too much about it. So heaven's filled with opulent wealth because they're not distracted from wealth. Their wealth doesn't distract them from their worship. And God is saying, if I could find some believers whose wealth doesn't distract them from their worship, I would give them wealth. Increase. Increase. The reason this vision isn't something that happened this year. And it's important you understand that uh, I became a pastor in 2015. Uh, officially, I became a pastor, and, and they prayed for us, and I went to the office the next day, a pastor. And in that office was a baseball bat. And on that baseball bat, Genesis 41, verses 25 through 36, 26 was written, and it said, Jesus responded, both of Pharaoh's dream mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. And and this was a random verse about seven years. And I did a Bible study. It was seven years of favor um, uh, and seven years of famine. And so I got this baseball bat at Oasis. Now, at that time, Oasis was not this prophetic environment. People would come and hand you a sign or, you know, you come. But nobody came and gave you a word. We didn't have any of that stuff going on at that time. So whoever wrote this verse on this Bible, I just like, either this person is crazy or this is God. So they gave it to me on a baseball bat. Never knew what it meant. But I did know that God was declaring seven years of favor. Uh, and he was saying it was going to follow after seven bad years. And I never knew if I was in the good years or the bad years. You ever have like that time in your life where it's like there's good things but there's bad things? There's so many good things that have happened in my life in the last seven years. But to be honest, the last seven years were also brutal. So much so that on my 45th birthday, uh, which I felt God said it would be tough until I was 45, Uh, It'll be tough for the next seven years, and then I'm releasing seven years of favor. So when I turn 45 in February, I'm like, here comes the favor. And and February to July was probably one of the worst four or five months in ministry for me ever. 
And I said, oh no. And I started to be really discouraged because although I was grateful for what God did in the last seven years, to be honest, if that was his favor, I couldn't handle the famine. I needed to know that that was the tough season. I mean, that season involved COVID. That season involved transitioning. That season involved uh, uh, us trying to navigate how to get this responsibility that was put on us uh, 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 with, uh, without um, really any ability to help build it because the church was closed. It was, an, it was tough. And so then by July, it got so weird and so bad, I just start telling somebody about it like, hey, man, I ain't gonna lie, I think we're going into the famine. I think that was a blessing, man. <laughs> and uh, Melissa Gardeski, a great girl on our team, sent me a text message two hours after that conversation and said, I don't know why I feel led to say this, but this July today is your seven-year anniversary of being ordained a pastor. And that's when God said, it wasn't your birthday in February, it was now. Tell the church I'm releasing seven years a favor. Now, mind you, why was this scripture on a baseball bat? The scripture was on a baseball bat because when I found out I was taking over the church, I wanted to go visit my favorite church at that time, which was Elevation Church, Pastor Stephen Furtick. I felt so connected to his ministry. He and I share the same birthday. And I said, I want to see what God is doing in this place because I'm dreaming for the day that God would do something similar in our place. And so I go to Stephen Furtick's church right before I take over the church. And he says, open your Bibles to Genesis 41, verses 25 through 26. And he begins to preach on favor and the type of people we will have to be to prepare for God's favor. And I'm like, babe, you got to get the baseball bat. Stephen Furtick is preaching on this verse right now. And I call her on the phone, and I, I had this thought to myself, but why the baseball bat? And then Pastor Stephen shows a verse from the movie, uh, a, a, a a scene from the verse of movie Moneyball, and a guy is swinging a bat, and God is saying, the reason why I had them write the verse on the bat is so that when five years later, when you saw him preach the word, and it was a baseball clip movie, you would know that's the word of the Lord. Now tell your church it is seven years of God's favor. And so made for this is really simply vision for the work. I think so many times we have vision for the wants, and we don't have vision for the work. So I want you to write down anything that God tells you in this season that he wants to use you that's going to bring him glory. Not that's not going to make you feel validated, but that's truly going to bring God glory in any area, in any area. And then you got to be made for it through a harvest of righteousness, God's going to really lean into your character. If you've been gossiping, unforgiving, he's going to lean into that. we got to be able to share our faith in Jesus. And we got to have wisdom, influence, authority, and, and increase. God's going to do these things because he's going to get the intention of his lost sons and daughters with the favors of the one who's been found. He's just using it to get people's attention, not to validate your gift, but to let people know that if you follow me, I am really the truth, the way, and the life. And the reason why our vision is made for this is because we got to be built for what we're born for. Galatians 7, 6, verses 7 and 9 say this, and I'm going to invite the team to come up. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Can I encourage you right now that you never, you don't not have something 
Justice in culture has become, I'm this color or I'm a woman, so I cannot get what God has for me because someone else is stopping me. And while that is true, and that does happen in America, here's the reality if you ever felt marginalized. That the Bible says, do not mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what, if you're a girl or a boy, that does not matter in the kingdom. Now, if the world can stop you from getting what God has for you because of your skin color or because you're a woman, then that means that God is being mocked. And it says the justice of God will not be mocked. Instead of complaining, sowing. And the Bible says those who sow in tears will reap with joy. And I believe prophetically that while we're waiting for the rain, the tears water the seed. Keep, oh, my book, I still needed my book, man. Hold on. I invited a team up, but they took, my book was gone. I was going to read one more thing. Great job. Hold on, I'll just grab the book for you, just like this. And it says... You will always harvest what you plant. 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 And after three years, we're turning to politicians and we're turning to other people saying, where's my fruit? No, you will always harvest what you plant. Some of y'all, the dream is so big, it's just gonna take another year. And they're actually helping you. God is using the people you think are against you to be the fertilizer that you need. When that stuff gets on what you've sown, you need that challenge because it helps everything in the kingdom grow. I want you to write this down. If you don't need God's presence, God's word, or God's church to achieve the vision, your vision is too small. If you don't need God's presence, God's word, or God's church to achieve the vision, the vision is too small. I want us to do three core things to accept this vision. Number one is I want you to be present. You need to be present here. You need to be present in your community. You need to be present with your family and friends. We can't be so distracted chasing vision and dream that we are not present. I'm asking for you to not come and go here as you please, but at least for the next year so we can get this seed in the soil that if it's anywhere possible for you to be here most Sundays. Now I'm talking about if you have something with your kids, I don't want to be that church that doesn't, that their kids miss their kids' basketball game because they're down here with a serve t-shirt on. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about if you're just chilling at home and doing nothing and you're not in the mood, I, I need you to be present because God has given me the things that I believe that will truly help you be made for this. And the second thing that I would like for you to do is I need you to be generous. If we're believing for increase, we reap what we sow. And if we sow nothing, we reap nothing. I don't want to have like these compelling offering messages. I believe that God has called this, not talking about if you don't like the church and this ain't your church, but if this is your church and this church has blessed you, would you consider giving for the first time? If you're a mature believer and you know you have faith, would you consider tithing 10% of your income? Would you just consider starting this year? I need you to be present. I need you to be generous. And the third thing that might even be more important than the first two is to be connected. Amen. We got to be connected to each other. The, 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 the vision, and God wants to glorify God through a community of believers that love each other and love the world. 
You can't come in here not one more Sunday and not know a single person, have no one praying for you. When we talk about connect groups, you, we, we don't want to make the best video in the world until you sign up. Just sign up. I'm having something Tuesday night, kingdom mindset, that if you have a big dream, you need to be here on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We got 150 people that are coming out on Tuesday night. I need you to be connected to a community of believers so we can pray big prayers and have big faith. Just those three things, be present, be generous, and be connected. Is anybody down to be made for this in those three areas? So if you are, if you are, I want you to pull out your phones right now. If you say, Pastor Julian, I'm in. I want to be made for this. I got big dreams. I got big visions. Pull out your phone right now, and I want you to text this number on the screen. Text, say less, <laughs> to 213-568-0505. And that means I'm in. If you, if, you, if you old school, it just means I'm in. Text, say less, to 213-568-0505. I'm going, if you text this number, I'm going to be communicating with you personally outside of Sundays. There's going to be ways that you can, are going to be able to tell us your individual dream or vision, what God is going to, and we're actually raising up a system right now that within the next six months, we will have a team that will be able to talk to you individually about your dream and your calling and your purpose. It's gonna be starting with groups and other things like that, but we don't wanna just, we wanna hear from you on what God is saying to you. And we want to fashion everything we do, everything in the church to helping you achieve that. How many people have come here before and say, Pastor, that word is for me. We want that to be even better as you communicate with us what you feel like God is saying. Church, we got to be made for it. I know we're born for it, but we got to be made for it. What an impactful message. I left feeling so inspired and ready to seek God about vision from my life and to step out confidently into some new things. Um, if you're in with us, like Pastor Julian said, text say less to 213-568-0505. So just like we have every week, there will be some discussion questions for you to reflect on by yourself or with your family or your friends. Take some time to do that. We really want you to digest this message for the vision that is being cast in your life and for everyone else around you. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you, we appreciate <laughs> you, and we'll see you next week.